Not much. I'm doing good. How are things with you? Fine. I'm trying some different electronic. I have a bunch of stuff laying around. My my cameras that I use for my uh, uh, Tri-C thing and um, Zoom stuff. Uh, so I'm using a different camera today as opposed to the camera built into my laptop. Uh, hopefully we can... Uh, come January 1st, make some changes with the podcast where I can actually at times uh, demonstrate techniques. Um, so it'll just be a little bit of uh, practice, you know, rehearsal. Things are crazy when they're live <laughs> or they were as close to live as we're going to get. Well, that'd be cool. And maybe sometimes too, like if we do the podcast where you know, either myself or Nico or someone is actually on site with you too. We could demo, you know, you could demo grappling stuff and other things. You know, sometimes you need two people to demo. Yeah, absolutely. But the stand-up, you know, strikes and everything. And um, another thing we ought to look into is doing some YouTube live. We ought to try that once because that this, I can demo, we can do that. We ought to really try that one time just to do a live thing as opposed to using Zoom. Yeah, that would be definitely interesting. Um, if my camera setup will work, I don't know. Uh, uh, we never tried it. So um, you and I can do a private live YouTube thing like on our personal, like if you have a personal YouTube channel, just try it. Nobody will know because, you know, you'd have to send the link. But we could test it out. That'd be something to try. How's your workouts been going? Been able to do anything? Uh, not, this, not this week. I've only gotten one in. Uh, I'm going to try to work out tomorrow. It's been a, a hectic thing, you know. Uh, it's funny. People don't. People just make assumptions, especially like with the healthcare, which blows my mind. But um, that they can't believe that, like, I can't find a caretaker for my mother. Well, this has always been the case. It's got nothing to do with the COVID or. <clears throat> It's been like this for years, and it's just not working. I sent an email the other day, Monday, uh, to senior services about it, and, you know, they're like, we'll, we'll try to find different agencies, but, you know, you, you may not get the hours that, um, that I've been uh, approved for in this household. You know, we're approved for 24 hours a week, which isn't much to begin with. Um, but, yeah, we, you, we just can't. Just can't find anybody. So uh, that's affecting my workouts. You know, um, 
because mentally you got to have it, you got to be strong. And my mom has been flaring up this past week. So she'll probably flare up now during this podcast. Um, so I can't really get anything, you know, cooking. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's, it's got nothing to do with the holiday season. Uh, as far as these care, caretakers, they just don't, uh, my, my guess, and I think we've touched on this before uh, in, the, in our conversations, is that, um, I mean, because you're living in a kind of a borderline rural area. I mean, if, if you're not rural, you're right on the edge of it. And is it? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I and I just heard this before that in a lot of rural areas, it's almost considered they, they get to almost be considered like healthcare deserts, you know, or and, and generally services. I mean, that's the, the big trade-off when you're, you know, you get a lot more space to yourself, obviously, and like a lot of people like to, you know, if, if, if you're the type of person who wants to, you know, doesn't need that interaction, wants to be kind of separate from everybody, but you are sacrificing. I mean, that is a loss because, I mean, all those services that, uh, you know, society can provide you, the further you get away from that, yeah, they're just less options. And, um, yeah, that, that can be very precarious in a lot of uh, life circumstances unfortunately it's very dangerous if you have elderly people it's you don't want to be in a rural area um you know even as a kid once in a blue moon you you, you either take a field trip or you're you're driving on a you're going to another town or state you're driving and you have all that open country right the the uh, farmlands and shit and i always thought my God, this is crazy. There's nothing around here. How do these people shop? Where do the kids go to school? And what happens, especially on a farm, if you have like a serious accident, you know, like you cut a limb off or, you know, something crazy. Um, where do you go? Who can get to you? And now, I mean, I don't live on a farm, but there are farms, as you know, all around me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's bad. Now, they are building new housing out here, but... It's, that's just not going to change anything because the infrastructures, it's just not there. Um, so yeah, I would never ever recommend going to a rural area unless you have a big support group, family support group, because everybody, all these professional agencies, the, the, the caretakers, the senior services, it's always about, don't you have anybody that can help you? Don't you personally have like family or something? No, <laughs> right? So this is why, you know, we pay taxes to get these services. And, you know, I feel bad that my mom is getting uh, the short end of the, of the stick. You know, it's just, it's nothing we can do about it. But that's the way I think the world is set up. I can't believe that we're just the only one. There's got to be a lot of areas where, you know, you just don't, you, know, you just don't have the uh, setups. So. It's kind of an interesting thing. And obviously I'm just kind of just all speculating on this, not knowing, but I mean, you know, you always hear about farm families being big with multiple kids, you know, um, and a lot of families just being larger. And, and that is kind of their community. Then it's, it, it, there's more family than community dependency at that point. But like in your case, I mean, you know, like urban families, the, like the nuclear family tends to be a lot smaller, you know, maybe two kids or like in your case, just one. And you take that, 
nuclear family and you put them into an urban environment and it's just not set up for exactly the things we're kind of talking about where you need multiple people to pitch in, uh, you know, uh, you know, like I think smaller families or smaller people, they have to go outside of the family for their community and their support. And so it's kind of, uh, thinking it through at a high level. I, th- I think that that, you know, kind of what sets up for this kind of a situation. And unfortunately I think just in general, both rural and uh, urban people are having less kids now, you know, obviously with automation and other things, there's not as need, you know, and other things, just access to birth control and other health care and stuff. People are not, they're having smaller families everywhere, but again, yeah, that, you know, that's, it's, it's probably reaching, like in your case, you, you surpassed the tipping point where whatever the, the community can provide isn't enough for a small, you know, a very small family for the needs they have, especially when you're kind of in a, in a, you know, tough situation like that, where you need help. Well, my community has supplied nothing. Um, but the, the thing is, uh, there's, I mean, we're not the, can't be the only ones, uh, but I think this should be a wake up call to the government agency here that with the lack of caregivers, uh, there's, there's got, there's going to be other families that are going to be in need. And like serious, like life or death needs, like, hey, I got to get to um, dialysis or whatever, you know, that the, 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 the patient may need. And this has to be addressed, you, you know, because, again, especially this area wants to start expanding and you can't expand unless you have that infrastructure. And it, it just doesn't exist over here. And you know, without any public transportation, uh, um, the quasi workaround uh, of requesting rides, you have to you have to do that in advance. Uh, so there's no spur of the moment thing. It's it's not a good situation. It really isn't. You know, for, for probably I'm not the I can't believe this is the only family that's suffering. We're probably the only ones that are aware of it because this county has about 350,000 people, the, the whole county, uh, not where I live. But uh, so to me, that's not, I would not consider that in general, super small, but this general area certainly is small and it's, it's removed from the, the, the uh, border counties and stuff. In essence, people don't want to drive to come this far uh, to work, you know, and, and that's tough. Yeah, it impacts a lot of things. I mean, even like getting people to come out and train. I mean, it's just kind of you're at that point where it's just a little bit too far from the center of uh, where most people are comfortable traveling, you know, on a, a routine basis. Um, and the other thing, too, that like, you know, thinking about your situation, even when people have smaller families and communities like that, probably the majority of them have grown up in that community. So they're going to have decades of making connections with people and knowing people, you know, uh, having built those things, but you guys, you know, you've only been there maybe a decade or less, right? Like, I mean, you're just kind of, it's a late comer. So you're not going to have those, those connections either, or, you know, have less, you've had less time to establish yourself that way. So not that you're an outsider there because you have some friends and stuff, but it's not the same as someone who's grown up there and knows people from, you know, going back from grammar school and whatnot. 
but even so people become like they say like fish after three days it starts to smell if you don't have family that you almost force them to help you uh people's uh sense of goodwill runs short you know like who even if i had even if i was born and raised here you how i can't ask people to you know, watch my mother 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't work out. Maybe once in a blue moon, hey, I need a ride. That's something, but, um, well, yeah, it, it's just things that, these are things you don't think of. Like when I made the big move when I was a kid, from or when I was 23 from Chicago, Cleveland to Chicago, there were things that I never thought I would miss. Like your barber, even the the weatherman, the local newscasters, the you know, the Roman burger, you know, that I, Mr. Heroes, things like that. You can't, you know, all of a sudden you're in a new location. You got to find a, an auto mechanic or you know, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you just don't think, well, who would have thought you know, I, that I would be running into this kind of an issue with, with my mother. Um, it's just a shame. You know, uh, I didn't know. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Uh, we were kind of rushed, as you know. We had a, we were forced to move. Uh, otherwise, I'd still be in the city, with, without a doubt. But so be it. <coughs> Excuse me. So what else is up, buddy? Let's talk about something exciting. Oh, geez, something exciting. Well, in the nerd universe, uh, next weekend is uh, C2E2, which I know you've probably never heard of, but it's it's the big uh, Chicago comic book convention. So it's definitely a big mecca for all geeks like myself. So the anticipation is already starting to build. You know, I have to start thinking about, you know, uh, what I'm going to, what comic books I'm going to look for, uh, what other, you know, what other nerds I'm going to seek out. Well, uh, C2E2, which is, I think it's short for comic book entertainment. I can't even remember what this stands for, but. When I go to Chicago, I want to, I want to, I want to look up C2TTs. Okay. Especially with all the beautiful Polish bartenders. So that's my gig when I go to Chicago. Yeah. Well, you know, me, I'm a respectable citizen. So I, uh, try to, uh, hone myself keep restrain myself from certain activities I but see. Uh, um, it's not that they don't accept me that's not that's not the reason at all why i wouldn't be pursuing things like that um but um i don't know what else is new and exciting we're starting to put christmas decorations up so that's another great reason to have a podcast during the weekends for me because i can avoid doing working on that um so that's appreciated doing this recording now <laughs> uh let's see yeah and like i said i told you earlier that i'm going through kind of the uh the holiday struggle has begun where i'm i'm you know despite my workouts and things um the holidays are putting on their toll weight wise you know i've got to definitely kind of this is like that arc right about now starting from thanksgiving because we've got birthdays too so it feels like every week now I've got some kind of celebration or, or party to go to, which is a good problem to have, but it's not so great when you're trying to stay in shape. Well, it's, it's, first of all, intermittent, intermittent fasting will help, but um, it's, I'm a firm believer that it's not so much even what you eat. I mean, obviously you don't want to live on potato chips, but bear with me here. 
but it's the quantity of what you eat. You know, if you keep your calories low, you're going to be you're going to be way ahead of the game. So yeah, you can go to the, the the Christmas party or whatever and have a couple cookies, this or that. Just don't have thirty or forty of them, you know, and go to twenty or thirty different parties. Just limit what you can eat. Um, that's the big thing, you know. People just try to uh, work around that, and you know, it just you could eat you can eat quote unquote healthy, but when you just uh, gorge on this stuff you're you know it's going to kill you the other day i had wgn uh news on in the morning and they had some guy i don't know where he's from apparently he's been on before he's i i guess some well-known guy who makes these uh who grows uh these world's like healthiest vegetables or something okay and he used to just market it to businesses but i guess because of covid he opened it up to uh, regular consumers and he was talking about his website and just going, going on about, you know, how, how healthy these vegetables are. And what's funny is I'd say the guy was in his early sixties and he had to be 330, 340 pounds. I mean, he was way out to here. And I'm like, my God, I mean, this guy, you don't want him advertising for healthy foods when he is, a walking disaster physically, okay? Um, I mean, this guy was just morbidly obese. So I don't know if he doesn't practice what he preaches and he eats a bunch of junk or if he's just the type of guy that just, he thinks because it's healthy or homegrown or whatever you want to label it, that you can eat all you want. You still just cannot do that. Just like water. Water's healthy. I drink a lot of it, but you could overdo it. You know, you, you can't drink eight, nine gallons of water a day. It's going to, you're going to have a problem. So I think this is a big thing with people uh, that you just got to control the amount of food you put in yourself. And I do think timing of meals, I I don't know if you agree with this or not, but um, kind of the old wisdom of like a a big breakfast, the kind of the the pyramid idea of where you, if you eat less, the later it gets, um, that seems to have been successful for me too, especially if I'm able to get like a small meal of protein in the evening. Cause the trick part of it too, is kind of managing your hunger. So, um, you know, you could like, and I think this is the problem is you can get like, you know, like six or 700 calories of vegetables. And for whatever reason, you will be hungry sooner than if you had, you know, like, you know, meat or cheese at that calorie level. Um, at least that's been my experience. So some of it's managing hunger and timing your meals. Um, you know, because at night you want casein protein. You So it's it's not just protein. It's what kind of protein. You know, during the day you want whey protein. Uh, at night casein because it takes a little bit longer through your system. So you can, you can wake up. But now if all of that affects your... Uh, if you want to do intermittent intermittent fasting, because the people who are really into that, uh, and I, I guess I've always intermittent fasted without really, I mean, labeling it like that. Um, but 
the windows are normally between 12 to 16 hours and the closer to 16 hours is supposed to be the, the sweet spot you know when then it you know then your body will start burning fat and all of that jazz that's very hard to do when you're when you're talking about eating a healthy breakfast in the morning and you know jazz like that because it depends on what time you ate your last meal so uh, for some people it's just not you know they're not going to get that 16 hour window in you know especially if they have to eat their breakfast at home before they leave for work they may eat that breakfast at 6 a.m <clears throat> when's the last time they ate previous 5 p.m 6 p.m you know depending on what time they got home so now you're down to that 12 hour thing so it takes planning and this is something that you really don't you don't have to be a rocket scientist but you have to spend a day or so really writing things out calculating figuring out exactly <clears throat> what you want to put into your body what what what, what kind of food what kind of protein or what kind of uh, you know, uh, do you want fiber? Do you want something that's going to fill you up? And, you know, you got to think about all that. You mentioned it. What was the kind of protein you said you should have at night? Casein protein, C-A-S-E-I-N, I believe it's spelled, yes. And where do you get that? Anywhere. Uh, any but, health food. But is it like, what foods, is it found in any particular foods over, because you mentioned like whey, is, is, isn't that related to milk or... Well, Talk about proteins, I guess. Yeah, well, you what you what you need to do is look at your diet that you like. Look at the foods you like in general. Um, and then go on the internet and see exactly what kind of protein is in that food. Um, the, the thing with uh, taking protein at night, um, or not a protein powder even, but... <clears throat> What is it that you're eating at night? Um, and how long, let's say your, your last anything, protein powder or dinner is at 5 p.m. Well, what time are you going to bed? All of this factors into it. So people who aren't dieting with this intermittent thing may take a drink of protein, uh, case of protein, maybe an hour before they go to sleep, Okay. Um, just so their body is replenishing overnight because that takes a longer period of time to go through your body. So that's why it works best at night. Um, but now that will conflict with any sort of intermittent fasting because that intermittent fasting is any calories, okay? Water, no. Uh, black coffee, no. But you eat a couple of cookies or whatever, right? Any... 100 calories, that, that resets that clock on that intermittent fasting. So you just have to find out, well, what kind of foods am I normally eating at night? Or what, what, do I, what would I have a taste for? Then see if it's the case in uh, variety. For me, it's just much simpler to just drink it. Uh, I don't do it personally now because, you know, I, I really am not, I'm not lifting for, I don't need it, but um if I were lifting strongly again, yeah, I probably would think about it. Uh, but then you have to look at the case of protein itself or the protein drink itself, whatever. If it's whey, um, what are all the other stuff that's in it? See, I like to use whey isolate, okay? Um, but you you do have to be careful because if you start to overload on this, you're going to bloat up because there's sugars and things in there. Uh, 
but for most people, when they're really doing a strict caloric restricted diet, they may not get everything they need. So you may have to take a supplemental multivitamin or you may not get the protein that your body requires. So you may have to drink it. So all of this has to be factored in to your overall scheme. I know like with intermittent fasting, well, it, it depends. Some people do it every day. Some people do it only a couple days a week. Uh, so, you know, going back to your kind of timing when you do the, the protein at night with one, maybe days that you're not, the following day is not going to be an intermittent fast. Um, you know, do you, do you kind of recommend, well, again, it depends what your goal is, right? If you're looking to lose weight, um, I've even heard of people who do something called calorie bouncing, kind of like if you, if you cut calories to a certain degree over time, your metabolism will adapt to that. It'll slow down. But if you have that kind of up and down pattern in your diet, that when you do have days where you're fasting or cutting calories, um, you know, you'll get a bigger, bigger bang for your buck. Everybody's different, but you should have at least a cheat day. Okay. Um, sometimes I won't, I'll just go through it, but um, generally you want to have a cheat, a cheat day. And uh, even with the intermittent, intermittent fasting, during that, the hours that you can eat, you can eat whatever you want. I mean, if, you, if you're going to put in 10,000 calories, you're not going to lose anything. You know, you're going to gain weight. But so there's, there's ways to play around this to keep your interest, you know, to keep you from getting bored. But for me, I always used to have a cheat day. I would like diet down six days a week and it one day cheat. Now what I basically do is I, I eat whatever I want. I mean, I'm not looking to be, you know, super skinny. I'm never going to be that way. I don't want that. I, I want to have muscle tone. I want to be strong. So I'll just eat what I want, and then I'll go on a more strict diet <clears throat> for like maybe seven days or so every couple of three months, and that's fine. And it, it, it cleanses you and, uh, you know, but – when I go on my diets, <clears throat> it's caloric restricted. I go low calories. It doesn't seem to affect my energy or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I, it works for me. And I think I've shared my diet with you. I've shared it with plenty of people. So they've all lost a lot of weight. But, but again, it's not, it, I don't care what diet you're on. I hate to use that word because diet doesn't necessarily mean losing weight. It's whatever it is that you're, you're eating. You can diet to gain weight. Uh, it's a lifestyle. So if you go back to eating, drinking two cases of beer a day and, and eating five pizzas, you're sure you're going to put all that weight back on. But it wasn't because the diet wasn't any good. It's just that you went back to horrible habits. It, again, it's, it's all about restricting yourself, keeping everything in um, moderation, I guess you'd say. Well, yeah, that's another part of the big struggle is the, is the long game. Because I think, you know, um, and having something that's sustainable, like your diet is very intense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been on, I've never done your diet exactly. I'm a little bit intimidated by it, honestly, but I've done on more restricted diets um, where I have dropped weights. But, you know, actually just when I went to the camping, uh, when I did the survival class, you know, I definitely uh, dropped a lot of weight, was in great shape now, but that was back in August, you know, and stuff starts to creep back up once I'm back into my old habits and patterns, um, you know, 
And the other trick I know a lot of people struggle with is like, you know, even the food in my house or what I do is not completely all my own decision. Now, what I eat and what I put into my body, you know, ultimately that's what's in my control. Um, but, you know, you've still got, you know, added temptations that are things that are brought in that you didn't have control over bringing into the house and things of that nature. Um, you know, if you're, you're uh, got family or roommates or things like that. But yeah, to me, I think the the, life, the lifetime battle probably with most people is what is the sustainable pattern for diet? What are the tricks that you can do so that you don't balloon up after a cut, you know, that, um, and, and those are, you know, it's, and a lot of those are personal because, you know, we, we each have different foods we like and things like that. One of the things I found is like, I avoid all pastas at night. You know, I love Italian food like you. Um, but if I'm going to have pasta, cause it, and actually that goes back to your very, early observation in this conversation about that guy who was doing all the organic vegetables, but was, you know, huge. Um, to me, like marinara sauce and pasta is very healthy. You know, it's, it's a, you know, doesn't have a lot of, doesn't have any fats and there's a lot of great things in that sauce for your, you know, a lot of antioxidants and other properties, but it's huge, you know, it's a huge amount of calories, you know, and if I was to do that for dinner, you know, forget it. Um, so, I also, I struggle with the cheat day because I can, I can, you know, again, unless I'm doing a really strict diet, but if I'm just doing my general kind of watching what I eat throughout the week, one, one cheat day can blow the whole thing, you know? Well, here it's, well, olive oil is very healthy for you. Extra virgin Italian olive oil, probably Greek too, you know, it's all good. Um, but it's like, the expression robbing Peter to pay Paul. Well, you kind of do that with your dieting because if you go nuts, you know, and you, you ate a lot of calories or whatever, well, you now you've got to counter that. You know, now you got to really go strict for a couple of days. I find that it really makes the food when you do have your cheat day far more enjoyable. Okay, because now you're able to splurge a little bit. Um, but like with yourself, I'm because of my mother's situation and I, I can't cook meals because she doesn't eat and it, it's all that. So I just eat very, very simple stuff for myself and for her real simple. I haven't even made pasta in a long time. I love pasta. I love bread. Bread's probably my, my biggest enemy, but um, you know, I, uh, I know that everything I'm putting in today, let's say it's junk food, we'll call it. Uh, I'm going to have to pay the price for this. So that means a day or so, where I don't do it. Conversely, I'm not one of these guys that beats myself up if I want to have some potato chips, okay? If I want them, I'm going to have them. I don't, there's no way to prove that you would have lived X amount of years or months longer, okay? It's not humanly possible to prove that unless you had a do-over in life. So I'm not going to sweat it that much. I, I want to enjoy my life, but I'm not a glutton either, okay? Just like like in anything, I don't have. Based on last week's um, uh, podcast, you might think I had an addictive personality because I really get thrust into stuff. But I don't have an addictive personality. I only get I only delve into stuff and become obsessed with things that truly um, inspire me. Other stuff I just don't want to have anything to do with. So I've never been one of these guys that's addicted to food. Uh, I just I've been lucky that way. I've been a foodie. I mean, I loved in a city going to all the different nationalities and trying the different um, 
foods out. And again, I never worried about it. If I start to put on a little bit of weight, seven, eight pounds, 10 pounds tops, that's really not going to kill me. So I can easily lose that in a very short period of time. So that's just me now. I, I you know, I'm in my mind, uh, I, I've never been, you know, morbidly obese. I've never been 100 pounds or 80 pounds overweight. So I, I, I can't talk uh, authentically about that kind of mentality and, and that lifestyle. Um, but I've always been a skinny, I was always really skinny. And, you know, it wasn't until later in life that I got bulky, you know, um, by choice. Uh, and, uh, but for me, I just, you've got to work on you. You know, only you can control, like you just said earlier, you may not have a choice on what food is presented to you, but you it's, it's your choice to either eat it and if you do choose to eat it, how much you eat it, you know, so it's up to us. You know, you got, it's personal responsibility is what it is. Another like weird aspect to it is I, I try to avoid food waste. You know, there's this weird dilemma yeah. sometimes where I will eat more because I sense something's going to waste too, that, it, you know, like it's, it's at its last leg or, you know, um, so it's just like another variable that I have to mess with in, in my head, uh, you know, and sometimes I have to let stuff just go uh, because I know it's going to impact me negatively, which, uh, you know, it's kind of a, oh, it's a lose wins. It's at some point it's, I've got to make the choices. Like, is, is the hit going to be on me or is it going to be so? And that's the, I think the only way you can avoid that is, um, you know, be proactive about it and try and anticipate what food you're, you know, what, how's this going to play out over the next couple of days? If you have this, you know, extra food lying around or what have you, I mean, we basically, I'm just thinking about Thanksgiving where, I mean, there was a lot of food and we tried to give some of it away. And again, like I said, it's uh, this kind of first world luxury problem of having uh, some ways too much food and making sure that everybody has it. But ultimately I found myself not just overeating because, um, uh, you know, I was just binging or just love the food, but I was like, I could sense it's like, we've got too much food here. <laughs> I've got to take care of this. This isn't right. You know, there, to me, there is a morality about, um, yeah, misusing food in general. With you on that, you know, I was raised, uh, well, when I was a first through sixth grade, I went to one school, you, you saw it, and they shut the school down for lack of enrollment and never opened up again. That was a Polish school. That's the, where I met Radvan and all that. But the nuns used to say, you know, don't waste your food. Now, we never had lunch at school. We had a, you know, um, either go home for lunch or you, you, you could bring your lunch. But I, I, I think we all, everybody, a lot of kids just lived in the neighborhood. They'd walk home. I lived a little bit further, as you know. It was too dangerous for me to always be walking home. So I stayed at school. But the nuns used to say, they're starving kids in Poland. Because all the nuns were Polish, okay? So that's what they used to say. And it kind of stuck with me. And, uh, you know, we used to have the missions. There was a chalkboard. And you had boys. It was said boys, girls, and a line underneath each. And we had money. You had to raise money for the missionaries, for the missions. Uh, I don't remember if it was uh, Red Cross or uh, I don't remember what it was. But so we were always raising money because we were always told about how how bad it was in other countries, even though all of us kids in that neighborhood, as you saw, we all lived in poverty too. 
but there's always somebody worse off. So it teaches you a little bit of not only humility, but it teaches you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, humanship, you know, kinship. You, 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 no matter how bad you are, you still have to help other people out. I don't see that a lot in this world nowadays, but that's how we were, um, that's how all of us were raised. I don't know how those kids turned out. I haven't seen most of them in 45 years or whatever, you know, but uh, the the thing is, yeah, I don't like to waste food. That's why with my mother, that's why I won't cook anything, okay? Um, it just goes to waste. Like uh, the other day, my buddy, I asked him to, uh, hey, man, can you just pick up, pick up a pizza? He was going to Walmart, which is kind of not, it's on the way to my house or whatever, however you want to word it. He did. Unfortunately, he picked up two little Caesars and, you know, I had to throw almost one, one whole one of them out because, you know, my mother had maybe one slice over the course of two days, you know, she doesn't eat much. So I don't want to eat all that, you know, and it bothers me. I, I'm like you, I don't like to waste things, especially food. Um, food and water are, are without that, we're, we're not human beings. Okay. We're not going to be on this earth much, you know, too long without that stuff. So yeah, I, I just tend to make small, small portions or I'm, or I'll buy these healthier frozen meals, I guess, because it's just the way it is right now for me. And I'm not a, alone in that because <clears throat> through the years, I've met a lot of people, male and female that were single or whatever, and they, they were not helpless, but they all said the same mantra. I don't want to cook for myself. You know, that kind of deal. I don't want to cook for myself. Now, yeah, you can make a giant pot of chili, freeze it, and you're good for months, but yeah, it's, it kind of sucks when you, when you're just cooking for one. Cooking is interesting because I, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, that's a skill set that I've definitely neglected for my life. You know, I never, I think we've also talked about this before, but like my mom used to make this great spaghetti and I think she learned it from my father's family because she grew up German, Irish, you know, so they weren't, they weren't making red sauce when she was growing up, but she learned it from my father, uh, the Italian, and it was great. You know, we had it at least once a week, but, um, you know, she never encouraged me to cook with her and I never thought about it, you know until I was much older, but literally there was, and I think at a certain point, I mean, basically, you know, my father had passed away and she went back to work. And so she began to spend less time cooking and like even her memory of it, like, you know, cause a lot of it, you know, it wasn't like written down instructions where it was all codified, where I could go back and research. It was, I mean, I, I'm sure at some point she had things written down, but you know, after she does it a few dozen times, she was just doing it all from memory. And then after the gap of a couple of years of not really doing it, she began to be like, oh, I think it was this or that, like she lost it, which was really, so it's kind of this part of my family history. It's a small bit, but it's something that, you know, had I cared, uh, uh, you know, or had the foresight that I could have kept it going. There's a couple of things like that. She had just some, some great dishes, actually, as far as a calorie dish, that is not good for you. We used to, used to do uh, beef stroganoff. Man, that was, she used to do an awesome beef stroganoff. And uh, again, you know, it's kind of lost to history. Um, I can, I'm sure I could make a reasonable facsimile if I researched it and got into it. 
but yeah, I know a lot of people have lost family recipes. Actually, Ben, um, one of his good friends from school is Cuban and his father makes all this awesome Cuban food. And I mean, the one thing, you know, at least the one thing in my life is like when I've made mistakes like that, I try to like when I think about it, be very deliberate about talking to my kids. Like when the moment comes up, like jump on it and tell them, I'm like, man, you have to tell your friend to learn how to cook with his father now you know, cook with your father now while your father's sharp and, um, you know, learn those things to pass it on because, um, yeah, but like I said, going back to like, it, I know people who like to cook. I mean, in some ways you could spend your whole evening preparing just a, a simple meal for yourself, you know, uh, but it is kind of a human, very basic skill set uh, that I think would be good to have. And I wish I had spent more time doing it, but, you know, life gets in the way and it's, I mean, the one thing our society has is we, there's a lot of conveniences that can have you avoid that. So it, that's unfortunate too. Um, but I don't know how many times, I mean, have you been in places where you're like, I wish I had the skill level, you know, uh, I was just trying to think, but there was some sauce we had. Uh, so we went out for Ben's birthday recently and he had this great like oxtail pasta dish or something, but I could taste certain seasonings in it. And I'm like, I can't articulate what this seasoning is, but I, I've had this before. And I know there's certain chefs that can almost like reverse engineer a dish by tasting it. They can tell what proportions of what seasonings are in there. And I think that'd be like kind of an awesome skill, skill to have just to be able to like. She was a savant with that. She, she was a great cook. She could eat something and she'd know what's in it, you know, and then if, if she'd make it and something wasn't quite right, she could figure it out. I, I don't, I don't have that. Um, I don't have that ability, you know, but I, as I've gotten older, I, 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 I've known that I've noticed that I, I can eat hotter stuff. Um, when I was a young boy, I never, I never ate fish. First time I had fish was when I was in the ninth grade. They had a fish fry. I was, I never had shrimp until I was out of high school. I never had a taco until I moved to Chicago when I was 23 or 24, when I had a taco for the first time. You know, I wasn't raised around that kind of a, a variety. Um, the thing is funny about that, like that beef stroganoff that you you mentioned. I like that. Now, it's interesting because how that got founded, how that got developed, uh, I guess a cook was out in the farms country or something, actually saw a bull masturbating. And he said, oh, beef stroganoff. So that gave him the idea um, to develop that uh, food plate. I'm so glad that it. I'm glad that we're putting more good information out on the internet because that's what the world needs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are you kidding me? You know, that's what we're here for. Not just your good looks, Joe. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, um, I tried. Oh, I forgot to give this to my friend when he was over here, Scott. Uh, I bought this uh, chili habanero sauce i guess you know oh that's right we never got the update of how the hot the habanero sauce went you are sitting uh, down this week so yeah, that's good yeah it was it was terrible now here's the reason here's the thing it wasn't all that hot that's not the problem it tasted like charcoal like i was eating like wood like burned wood that's a, that's the best i could say you know so i I just took a just a tiny little dab. So basically, I got a full bottle. I got to remember to give it to Scott. Then, well, I'll see Scott in a couple of weeks. As you know, we can't talk about that yet. But um, you know, we'll all be getting together 
but yeah, I uh, did not like it. I I cannot recommend it. Uh, but yeah, I'll give him the bottle. I don't know if he'll if he'll want to try. Uh, he'll try it, but I don't think he'll like it either. Yeah, just the charcoaly taste. A lot of like hot sauces and salsas. Sometimes they have a smoky flavor to them. Uh, some people like that. Uh, I, I'm with you there that I, I'm not into it as much either. Uh, you know, like there's certain meats and things that'll be good smoke, but um, yeah, yeah, I like it more like uh, spicy and tomatoey. If I'm gonna get, I want that to be the predominant. You know, and, and definitely yeah, if they do, if they go over the top with the smokiness, that can, that can just ruin anything. I would think. Um, so I'm, I'm still looking for the ideal. I mean, I don't, I say I'm looking, I, I'm not really looking, looking, but I, um, I, I'm just still trying to find the right spice that is a little bit more universal. Um, because here, for example, when I make a baked potato, which I bought some a couple of weeks ago, I don't even know if they're any good. I keep forgetting that I have them. Well, I don't put butter or any of that jazz on it, you know, sour cream, because that's all fattening. So I'll splash some hot sauce on it just to flavor it up a little so it's not bland. Um, I do that kind of stuff, you know. I, I like to add a little bit of things that, that aren't caloric, you know, that you're not going to add 200 calories to something. So I'm a really simple guy to cook for, and if I have something um, – slightly more extravagant i really do enjoy it you know like um i bought these things the other day there's little containers they're 300 calories something like that put it in a microwave but i bought mashed potatoes and meatloaf i i haven't had a good old american meatloaf or pork tenderloin or you know something like that i, I miss all that and as a matter of fact you would think living in the rural area there's restaurants like that. There is not. There's just no place around here for that. This is, a, believe it or not, mainly fast foods. You know, shit like that. Or Applebee's, Chili's, they got that. Um, but there's there was one home-cooked restaurant that, that shut down before the COVID. There's one other one, but they're, like, ridiculous. They're, like, $15 for a hamburger. Come on. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I would love to go to the Chicago ones to just... Just have a go to one of the old diners over there. Just just have a little, you know, hot plate special you know, or blue plate blue plate special, whatever it used to be called. Blue plate blue plate special. I can't even say it. How can I eat it? Yeah, but having a nice diner access to that is is really golden. I've I've been lucky in a couple of neighborhoods I've lived in in the city where. Like, you know, they usually end up being good. Uh, like there's this place called Dappers that I used to live uh, on uh, Addison in the north side that, you know, it's still there, actually. I think I'm going to make a pilgrimage there at some point. But we'd always get, uh, yeah, what I consider just good classic diner fare. You know, you could get a good, good breakfast there if you went in the morning and then just all your classic meals, that getting all your staples. That's like a little chain. Uh, there was one on um, Cumberland, but the, there was one on Lake Street in Addison, Illinois. Dappers on, uh, I just said the street, Cumberland. Uh -huh. that's either chicago or that could be norwich over there you know whatever um yeah that's but there's plenty like that in chicago you can you can really you know uh and certain days they'll have certain specials it's awesome i miss that kind of stuff simple food you know 
Uh, let us see what else dietary wise I've been shifting. You mentioned like not having eaten a lot of seafood. I'm trying to definitely get uh, one or two meals a week now where I either get some tuna or get some salmon. Uh, part of it's for my cardiac health. Um, I don't know if I told you, but I had these issues with, with my eyelids where I would get styes and the doctor actually said the, the viscosity, this is just like another old man problem I'm having. I'm running into the viscosity in my tear ducts was having issues. And part of it was with like allergens in my house, but anyways, uh, fish oils like omega threes and things were, were supposed to help with that. Um, so, um, and yeah, like I said, I'm in that, and and I'm in that demographic now where I actually have to be concerned about my cardiac health, you know, especially like the way we train and things, you have to take that very seriously, you know, um, you know, a workout could kill you (laughs) if you're not careful. I would go to Walmart and I would buy a lot of fish and I still have some frozen left, but the stuff that I was buying is no longer there. Okay. The squid and the, uh, the seafood medley, which I really like. They're not carrying it anymore. So that kind of sucks. I do have some pink salmon. Uh, probably start making that up this coming week. Um, and certainly next week, um, for sure. But yeah, you you, you do you want to take care of your health, um, certainly. And all I can advise people is watch all the, you know, the sauces and shit that you put on there. Because... That adds all the flavor, like salt, my goodness, uh, these fake meat substitutes, um, they load them up with salt, which is really not good for you at all. So it turns out to not necessarily be healthy. So watch what you add to it. That's the biggest thing that I can tell people. Because um, it's not just your calories, but you know, you don't want a lot of salt in your diet. Some people, sugars, especially if you're diabetic, um, Cutting out colas or soft drinks, especially diet soft drinks, is a is a big thing. That really, right there, some people drink four cans, five cans a day. You know, that's a thousand calories. You know, uh, perhaps, and you know, cutting that out will really help. And you're getting rid of the sugars and detoxing your body somewhat. Um, same thing like people with tea or coffee. They put two two scoops, three teaspoons or whatever of sugar come on man don't do that it'll kill you if you anything you want it sweetened put put some honey in it you know um i don't i i drink my stuff um you know i drink my coffee black i same with the tea i don't have tea that often anymore but when i do have tea it's not i don't put anything in it um but again once in a blue moon if you want to splurge and have a cappuccino in the morning that's fine um, but don't make it a habit because, you know, it'll get to you in the end. You know, you mentioned uh, pop or soda. Um, what's your, uh, do you have any impressions on just like seltzer water? Cause I've recently converted over to that. Um, cause I'm a, I was a big pop fiend growing up, which was a bad thing. Uh, yeah, we just had access to it in my house, which is something you don't want to do for kids. Cause it's like, it's like getting access to like, you know, heroin or something. The stuff is so good. So uh, it's taken me a long while to wean myself off of that habit um, over the course of over the course of my life. But just in general, have you heard pluses or minuses of carbonation without the sugar? Yeah, well, you know, some of the, some people, it gives them gas, you know, bloat, it, it can bloat you that carbonation. I, I'm not a fan of seltzer water. I, don't, I just don't like the taste of it. 
I'd rather drink plain water or maybe even flavored water. Um, I, I do drink pop. You know, I like RC, especially when I'm having a pizza or my mom is addicted to Pepsi. So I, I but even when I had the pizza the other day, I did not have any Pepsi. Um, if I'm going to drink a pop for real, I like ginger ale. Uh, it just, you know, makes me feel good. Um, but I don't think seltzer in itself is bad for you, but, you know, put, get regular water and uh, add a, squeeze a little lemon in it. That's great. Or they make these carbonation machines. I, I think I saw them advertised last year around Christmas time where you can carbonate stuff, but it's an unnatural thing. You're adding gas to it. You know, um, I'm not here to bash it. If you like it, do it. I don't think it's going to really do anything to you at the tail end, except maybe, as I say, maybe give you a little, you know, bloat you or something. I don't know. But sometimes you need that too. If you um, like uh, ginger ale, like a warm can of ginger ale, if you're feeling a little agita, you know, that'll help you belch, you know, and uh, feel some good relief. So I guess it all depends on how much and what's the purpose behind it, you know, but if you like it, try it. I'm sure they make flavored salts of water with basically no calories. Yeah, they do. Actually. It's been, it's been kind of a lifesaver for me because I mean, it took me a while to get used to the bitter. Uh, but like I was, I was telling people that, um, you know, like some people find sour, very refreshing, like, you know, the classic example is lemonade, right? Like a good glass of lemonade, getting that sour kick Ag augments now granted that there's a lot of sugar there and things like that but i've eventually now i can get that from bitter and maybe that's just as my palate has matured getting older and obviously being experienced you know having you know drinking things that are bitter like beer so like i've been more and more acclimated to bitter tastes being refreshing too and so it's taken as me basically my whole life but recently now i found that as kind of a way of uh kind of a cheat for me where I can have something carbonated and just hydrate myself and the bitter does not bother me now if in some ways it's like a good little like I said it's almost like a sour spike or whatever if you like that um, but yeah it, it takes some conditioning it's like a uh, koala eating eucalyptus leaves you know you have to kind of you have to work your way up to it you can't just do it right away but once you get used to the bitter taste so a lot about bitter because <laughs> I'm very bitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't drink it. I don't eat it. I don't eat on it. No, yeah, but your palates do change. It. I mean, not everybody. I, I know people who have never really explored anything, um, and they, they're still eating the same stuff they ate, you know, um, when they were, were kids, and they never really experimented more. That, hey, it's their life. It's What they're eating is not going to harm me any. It's, you know, enjoy your life. Um yeah, I try not to beat myself up too much over, I mean, I'll say, oh boy, that was terrible or something, but I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I feel so guilty about eating all of that or this or that. No. Um, but it's, it's good now and then to keep yourself in check. You know, um, most of the time, especially later at night, people seem to get hungry and maybe, you know what, just have some water, just drink a couple of glasses of water get ready to go to bed because in the morning when you wake up, you're not going to be hungry. You're not going to sit there and say, Oh, wow. You know, I wish I would have had that, you know, Twinkie last night. It would have made a whole difference in my life. No, you know, so a lot of it is mind games. You have to play mind games with yourself. Um, that's at least how I've always looked at it. 
you know, but I will say this, um, when I finally get back to Chicago, uh, I will, I will splurge a little bit on going to certain restaurants, you know, that I've, that I've missed or, or, you know, that I haven't gone in, in years or very infrequently that I'm going to do. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is too, is you want to uh, patronize those places too, because I mean, if anything, another thing that COVID has taught us, unfortunately, is that nothing's guaranteed in these places. If you don't go, you know, they could be gone. You know, the best, the best chicken wings I ever had. Uh, I haven't had them in probably 20, 25 years because the place closed down and uh, you know, and I haven't found any kind of substitute for it. And, you know, I regret not going there more frequently. Uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was a young kid at the time, really didn't have the money to be going out a lot, but still I could have made more of the effort. You just don't know what's going to be there in the future. Um, and that's another one of those places where, I, man, I wish I could re- reverse engineer food by tasting it. Cause that would have been something I would, have, I would have worked to try and perfect. I was, when we talked about that earlier, it kind of reminds me of like, I mean, it's basically like a musician because a musician can listen to music and deconstruct the chords, you know, like they can, a certain level of musician, I should say, because I certainly can't do that yet. Um, can like listen to a song and deconstruct exactly what's going on. And, and, and basically that same skill, but with food, you know, it'd be kind of cool to develop both basically. So that both senses you have. A lot harder with food because music is pretty much universal. It's all mathematics, you know, you've you've covered all of those things in the course of your musical career let's say whereas with food boy there's so many different cultures and there's so many different things that you can add to it there's no way that you could ever um you know try every ingredient whereas music you if you're a studied studied musician you know all the ingredients already you've you've done all the ingredients you know every tone you know, in the twelve tone scale, you you know all all the twelve keys. So if so, you have all the ingredients. It's just a question now of putting them in a certain combination. Whereas with food, man, there's ingredients and stuff. You know, some people, well, myself included, of course, have never even heard of, let alone let alone try. So that that it, you know, it's chemistry, really. It's food chemistry in a lot of ways, uh, and then getting quality ingredients okay you may have you may know what the ingredient is but is it quality that you got or is it junk uh yeah i'm not enough see i'm not a guy to talk to really about cooking because i'm not a, i'm not a cook uh never interested me never has interested me um in doing it um i've always lived in cities where you know cleveland chicago where i can get the food i wanted and the food that i could get was phenomenal and I was raised around and spent all my life basically until I moved out here around ethnic people who would have me over for dinner making their ethnic specialties. I loved it. You know, um, it was a, for me, I had a great life regarding my, my palate for food. It was just amazing all the stuff that I've had. Now, that being said, there's a lot of nationalities out there that I have not tried, okay? Uh, just have not met anybody or uh, just not a thought in my head or I, you know, like I went a few years, I don't know how long ago, quite a while ago on a date to a Moroccan restaurant. Now I don't remember what I had, 
I know the food was good. The Moroccan restaurant's still there, but I don't know what to order when I go there. Okay. So it's just like American food. There's some stuff I'm just not going to like. I'm not going to eat liver. I don't really, I don't like liver. Right. Um, so I could go to a, you know, let's call it a Moroccan restaurant or any nationality in particular. And if I don't know the dish, I'm not going to like it. Just like Italian food. There's certain stuff in Italian food I don't like or I don't want. You know, uh, I, I prefer, you like marinara, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm oil and garlic, aglio olio. You know, that's my thing. Um, so to each his own. But if I didn't know, like I wasn't raised on oil and garlic. I was raised on that red tour. That gravy that my grandmother made two or three times a week, I got sick of it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until I got older that I tried something different. Oh, my goodness, I love this, I said, you know. So that's my favorite. But, yeah, but at least you're adventuresome. So am I. I I really, uh, I do enjoy trying different things. Uh, and I don't want anybody to be offended if they take me to a restaurant and I experiment and I don't like it. Doesn't mean I don't like the nationality or the food itself. I just maybe did not like this dish. As long as I don't get sick on something, you know, like food poisoning, I'll go back, I'll try something else. Or let me have a bite of your food. Let me see if I like it. You know, that kind of deal. I really wish, you know, it's, it's funny you said that. I, I, I just had a thought. We had I had a friend who, he will basically eat anything. And uh, he's a really, he can be a, a high-end foodie, but he can also be like a high-end junk food eater. Um, and uh, I was thinking about him because he introduced me to a lot of Persian food. That's his nationality. A lot of, a lot of great dishes that they have there. Um but he would just also do some crazy, he actually talks, you know, like uh, Snoopy and the Peanuts, that, that cartoon group, they actually had like a, like a cookbook for kids. He, so he always tells the story. I think he actually tried to find, he had this, he got it from like a school book sale back in the 70s when he was a kid. But they had some god awful sandwich recipe and I can't remember if it was like cucumbers and peanut butter and I can't remember what the mix was, but it was something that just didn't make a toes curl hearing about it but he did it he went for it and he said it actually was pretty good you know like if you're going to be open-minded about this mix of things uh it actually had this weird refreshing taste and um but he's been experimenting with weird combinations of foods ever since then and eating it and he would have been fun to have on for this conversation i said i didn't know we were having this because um uh but he's definitely also got the uh he's got a great ability not to waste food. He'll eat things that you and I would have definitely thrown out a long time ago. Sometimes at his own peril. He's the guy who died. He uh, didn't die. He passed out from, uh, he almost died. Uh, did I tell you the story about when that? Yeah. Cause I think this is, this is part of one of the reasons why I'm, you know, signing up for EMT school is because he passed out in front of me from one of the things he ate. He ate a, <laughs> a thing of kale, didn't like it, went up and got Cheetos. And then it got nauseous and ran to the sink. And because he stood up, he passed out. It's, it's, it's a classic Mark story. But uh, so it does come with some risks if you're going to be adventurous with your food, I guess, is, is part of the um, issue. But uh, know your limits as well. But occasionally, like I said, if you don't know your limits, you're going to find them sometimes. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You, you have to know your limits. Like I, uh, I got some jalapenos. I forgot they were in the refrigerator. I cut three little pieces yesterday. Man, it wasn't very good for me, you know, especially when I was thirsty. I bit it, chewed it, drank water. Oh my God. Now it's all over the place. Um, so yeah, I mean, I survived, obviously. It wasn't that bad, but uh, 
I think I'll use them. I like I bought some canned soup, Progresso, by the way, and uh, I may throw a couple of slices in just to kick the soup up a little bit. Um, I think that'll be good. You know, um, and it's healthy. It's not going to, you know, add calories or anything like that. So it's a little variety. Um, but yeah, I, you know, food is, you know, it's an, it's essential, but it's like people tend to, I've read through the years, so many articles on people who, when they're depressed, they'll eat. Uh, I'm not like that. When I get down in the dumps, man, I'm not eating, you know, uh, but there's triggers. Things will trigger people to eat and nothing emotionally has ever triggered me to eat. I'm just that way. Nothing emotionally has ever triggered me. The only thing that triggers me is hunger. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. But like, for example, I went with no breakfast today because I'm, I'm, I've been hungry. I've been up doing things. But that's really good for me because it's it's a it's it's a good reminder that hey, you can you can do without. Now I do have to be careful about my sugar levels, but you know I it's it's a lot of it is psychosomatic. Hunger pains will pass. <clears throat> you just don't want to go, you know, two weeks without eating or some crazy thing. But you'd be surprised how so much of it is is your mind. If you if you just start calculating in your mind, hey, I can deal with this. Um, it'll pass, and it will. Okay, just like urges in in, in anything. Um, some people who are bipolar, man, they go on these, they get these urges. The urge to splurge. And then all of a sudden they regret it. It's kind of like buyer's remorse. But I, I don't, uh, I try not to be like that. Um, and it's kind of funny because it kind of works against you too. I uh, met a woman, I don't know, it's probably around my age, may, maybe a little bit older, but nice shape, you know, this and that. My kind, you know, thin. And I guess she gambles on those poker machines that we have. So she asked me, like first time she met me, she all smiles and she's like, "Do you gamble on this?" I said, "No, no, no. I never even played one." Uh, oh, oh, okay. Well, well, you're you're smart, you know. Right away, her whole thing like just turned, you know, because oh man, he must be a boring old old fuddy duddy. No, I just I, I told her I only gamble on things that I, I I'm in control of, you know, like shooting pool or. No, arm wrestling match or just, you know, something along, something along those ways. Or I do like to play cards because even though it is a luck of the draw many times, there is some strategy. These poker machines, it's just pure luck. And you know me, I'm not one of the luckiest guys in the world, so I tend to avoid that. But no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just different, man, like that. Well, yeah, that's a whole other topic, uh, gambling and kind of the addictions there, man, that can be a, that can be a nightmare, man. Uh, you know, because I understand, I understand the draw of it. Actually, it's funny going back to the comic book conversation. I mean, part of the fun of it is discovery, surprise. You know, like if I if I find a deal, like if I'm looking through a comic book bin and I find something that I wasn't expecting, you do get that like that pleasure center, and your brain kicks off. You're like, wow, I found this thing, and I can only imagine what that's like when you hit like a big payday and like a slot machine or something like when you get that high, um, you know, I can see how it, it, it just physically, it becomes a physical addiction actually to those, you know, those brain chemistry. 
So it's, it's a scary thing, you know, and you're right. Like I kind of admire the strategy and the math behind a good poker game, you know, that, that it's, it's a very intellectual pursuit. I think I kind of admire it in a lot of ways more than I do maybe chess because uh, you're dealing with unknowns, you know, and uh, to me, and then the psychological aspects of it. So it's kind of a fascinating game in those regards, but yeah, the, you know, you just hear about people's lives being wrecked, you know, like when you, when you get hooked on it, that's, that can be scary. It's as bad as any other drug. You, uh, people's lives can be destroyed. You can lose your car, your house. I mean, instantly, you know, you can lose it all. Uh, you know, it's scary things, almost like drugs. You know, you get people who do drugs, they get bad drugs, it kills them or whatever. I mean, instantly. Uh, yeah, you, it's, a. but I have gambled. I mean, I'm a guy. I've lived my life fully. I, I don't have any regrets. I didn't do drugs, but I did, you know, shots and beers and gamble. And, you know, um, but I think when you're gambling, that's something that you really are in control of pool for, for in my case, maybe darts in somebody else's case. Um, there's a beauty to it, but, but you also need to know today's not my day. I'm just not in it. I'm not something's off or, you know, maybe, the, maybe the guy that you're playing is just better. Um, but you know, you, you have to know when to walk away. And sometimes you want to walk away as the winner. You know, I know that there's a code of ethics kind of like you always want to give the guy a chance to win their money back. But I think that's long gone. I don't think people think like that anymore. Um, you know, uh, the kind of honor is, is gone, at least in for sure in pool, um, at least in, in the circles that I've run in. Um, but Knockwood, thankfully, I've, I've not been on that end of where, you know, I've been outgunned and I'm out all this money. You know, I'm normally the guy on top or I break even, or if I lose, it's just one of those nights. It's no big deal. It's not a lot of money, but I haven't gambled in, you know, at pool in quite a long time. These poker machines kind of have killed that because in the bars, now Chicago doesn't have them, but out here, like where I was playing, um, what do you call it? A league pool and everything. Uh, you know, you, they, they, every place has them. That's the only reason they're able to stay alive because nobody goes out. So they gamble. But you can't even have a you can't even have a deck of cards in the bar. You can't even have a dice, a pair of dice, or even one die in the bar, um, or you know, playing ship captain crew or anything. Probably the only thing you might sneakly sneak away with is playing liars poker. But with pool, you have to be very careful. You can't advertise the fact that you're gambling. And if the bar owner or the bartender even finds out, they're go you're gone because they'll lose their their gambling license. So, uh, and I think the other thing is it takes a lot of skill. Now, pool has died out a lot, and they blamed it on the poker, you know, the Hold'em and the online poker and all these poker machines because it doesn't take as much skill, right? You, you, you know, you, it's just more of a physical thing when you're playing pool. Um, so the dynamics have changed. So you don't, you know, you really don't get the pool as much, Um and so many places have gotten rid of their pool tables. They take up space. They don't draw in much money. Um, they cause conflicts many times. So, um, so that kind of sucks. So for me, you know, I don't even, if it, well, I don't get to go out, but when I even do go out, I don't even think about playing pool, which sucks. But that's, 
the way it goes. I mean, I'm sure there's areas in the country where pool's still big, pool halls maybe, but you know, I don't like pool halls only because I told you once before, I used to like to go out to meet girls and pool is, halls are just, okay, you're going there just for pool, or at least you should be. Whereas for me, you know, I'd rather enjoy going out, socializing, maybe watching some sports on the TV and then shooting a few games of pool. If I lose, okay, I'll sit back down, have a beer, watch some more sports, put up some more quarters, play again, get back on the table. That's just for me. That's I make it more of an of an event. You know, I, I make it so it's enjoyable for me. That's how I look at it. But when I used to play cards, card parties and things, you know, it's been a long time since I've done that. Long time. Cool. Well, I know you had to get going with your mom at yeah. some point, right? Yeah, something. I do. Get... I got to. But uh, yeah, it was a quick one, two, three. Hopefully next week Nico will be here. Um, and then we may uh, we may have some news. Uh, if we're going to make a pre-announcement, it would have to be next week. We'll see. I haven't heard any details subsequently, Joe. So I'm not going to say anything. But it's good to see you as always. You still look like the, the, the statue, man. You're like a Greek. You're the Greek god of podcasts, and you're not even Greek. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again for noticing. Um, yeah, I think we'll, I'm glad if in a minimum, this podcast can be like a weekly hair update for everybody out there. So I'm glad to provide that through my, whatever community service I can. Is that a pigeon? Oh, never mind. Forget it. Um, well, good. So I will definitely see you next week. And I want to thank everybody for watching and listening. And uh, today we might've been a little bit of a boring podcast, but Things have been chaotic, but we're, we're, we got, like I say, maybe next week we'll get some breaking news. If not, we'll get the following week uh, some news. So either way, news is coming, I think. But anyway, nice to see you, Joe. Nice to see you, everybody. I'll check you guys out next week. All right, later.